0: evening. Never dull, is it? Uh, this is another Raw podcast special uh, with myself, Richard Manea, and I'm joined tonight by Mark Donnelly and James Copley as we meet to discuss the sacking of Phil Parkinson. Miss um, have moved tonight to part company with Parkinson just over a year after he's taken charge of the club after Jack Ross, um, the one-all draw at Fleetwood Town on Friday night, uh, extended the club's winless run in all competitions to five games, and Sunderland, as we all know, are seventh in the table, and uh, there was little to no sign of improvement in recent weeks. Um, Steve Parkins also left, and first-team coach Andrew Taylor will take the game against Burton Albion. At an empty stadium will light on Tuesday evening. Um, as I say, we're not expecting anything imminent in terms of an appointment, possible interviews this week, um, but the next appointment will be made by the current board. Um, obviously, the club's in the midst of a... A takeover if you want to call it that or a reshuffling of the shares however you want to look at this um so yeah well we shall see what the next couple of days bring brings but um, so we're just going to meet tonight to where discuss next 20 minutes or so phil Parkinson's departure from the club um anyone surprised by this
1: not really i think it's a decision that's probably felt inevitable for for certainly for the last week or so if not even longer i think Sundance were not really shown any tangible signs of progress on the field. The results obviously weren't there, you know, five games without a win and within that period, some really disappointing defeats, you know, the Mansfield game, the MK Dons game were, were two really, really disappointing results. Uh, Sunderland obviously drifting further down the table and you can point the games in hand, you can point at how many get you know points they are off the playoffs with that game in hand. But, you know, at this moment in time, Sunderland didn't look like a team that were, you know, nailed on for promotion. They looked like a team that might have maybe stumbled their way into the top six, but they'd never looked like a team that were certain to be there or thereabouts coming into the season. At the start of the season, arguably, at times, they did. They were consistent. They were, um, you know, if not outstanding, they were pretty reliable. You knew what you were getting, especially from the defensive unit. But the last few weeks have, you know, really... I don't even want to say stagnated because I think things have gone downhill in terms of the performance level, the the data that Phil Partington was often pointing to in terms of xG, uh, xG against, um, you know, the number of deliveries in the box, things like that have all dropped. Um, and yeah, I think you know that the big thing was I think he had lost the fan base. I think the fan base weren't behind him. They've been calling for a change for for a long time, and I think the results over the last five games have have just been the final nail in the coffin.
0: You agree with that, James? Was there any redeeming features to keep Phil Parkinson at the club, given kind of moodle among the fan base, the results of the last few weeks, performances for much of the season, lack of goals, um, all those things? Was there any was there any reason to keep him? Do you think, or do you think this is the right decision?
2: I think it's the right decision in terms of what we've seen on the pitch. I watched the game on Friday against Fleetwood, thoroughly bored, thoroughly turgid. Um, didn't see an improvement it was just a, a very league one game, a very league one performance but I felt like, as Mark said, i had regressed. I think the only redeeming thing for Parkinson and the only thing we can say really is the club finds itself in a, a period and a moment of flux where there isn't much structure, there's a lot of uncertainty so has that played a factor? Very possibly um, but Parkinson's job is to look after matters on the field and matters on the field weren't very good. Obviously, last season, I think, probably played a part in the decision Sunderland dropped to 15th in League One at one point, obviously didn't get promoted. We'll never know if Sunderland would have got promoted because the coronavirus hit. Maybe he's been a little unfortunate in that regard, but taking this season in isolation, it's not been great. There hasn't been much progression at all. Um, And as Mark said, the underlying data that he was pointing to Completely dropped off at the end and, and Sudland seriously regressed. So it wasn't a shock to see him go today.
0: No chairman, no manager, no head of recruitment, no academy manager, no under 18 manager. Um Sutherland seventh in the league. Been desperate the last few weeks, uh, in the midst of a takeover. Question marks over whether how transformative that would be. Um do you have much, if any, confidence the rest of the season, James, as a, a Sunderland fan, as well as a right go in terms of um, Sunderland getting some form of structure in place and, to be honest, to be to be then in a place and in a position where the manager has a fighting chance of winning promotion?
2: It's got to happen quick, hasn't it? The, these takeover questions and the positions you've just listed there, we need answers quick, we need solutions, um, we need vision. I was speaking to some friends, some Sunderland fans earlier, after the um the second, and it feels like the whole place just needs a spark. If you look at, if you look at the characters Sunderland have employed, David Moyes, um, Jack Ross, and Phil Parkinson, and I'm talking in terms of delivery here rather than personality, because I accept that I don't really know, you know, any of them personally, but they all came across as quite straight talking, but not a lot of not a lot of charisma, and I think Sunderland's a sort of club that needs that needs a spark, needs a lift, needs somebody to carry it, needs somebody who sort of has that big picture thinking, um, somebody who's a bit nasty, who's a bit gritty maybe. And until that happens, I'm just not sure where we go. But as always with Sunderland, it feels like we're a bit of a basket clip, basket case club at the moment. And maybe it's a case of whoever comes in and manages, manages us will fail until... You know things are sorted out off the pitch because it's hard to work under a under a cloud of uncertainty.
0: We're recording this on uh, Sunday night. Um, I've got my daughter upstairs shouting down, "Daddy, who are you talking to?" I said, that's was a friend from work, darling." But I don't think she was particularly keen for Phil Parkinson to remain in his job either, given the recent results. So, um, Phil Parkinson is a is a really sound bloke. Do you know what I mean? And I'm I'm sure he will bounce back very quickly from this. And you see other managers, don't you, who managed at Sunland in recent years who. Um, kind of a spell at Sullivan doesn't particularly tarnish their reputation too much, I would say, given um, given the problems at Sullivan and problems that have been there for, for years. Certainly the five, six years I've covered the club. Um, anyhow, that's just a little rant on a Sunday night. Um, so, moving forward, then decisions were made. Sullivan play home to Betnarbion on Tuesday. Uh, obviously, as we know, Andrew Taylor will be in charge for that. Well, that's a huge step up for Andrew Taylor. It was his first coaching role at the, in football as well, wasn't it? Um, we assume, well, we hope him, Andrew will be appointed uh, fairly quickly after that. Who would you like to see, Mark, take charge at the Stadium of Light? Given that Sonnen have tried the kind of you know, young and experienced, in terms of English football, in terms of Jack Ross, Sadly, that didn't pan out. Gone the other way in terms of experience and somebody with a relatively proven track rate or a winning promotion, that didn't work out either. Where do you think Sunderland go from here?
1: It's interesting, isn't it? Because you've got such a wide range of, kind of a wide spectrum of managers being suggested, you know, in terms of you could potentially look at going for someone who would be quite a big name appointment for League One and someone like, of course, Poirier. You could go for what would arguably be a, somewhat similar appointment to that of Phil Partinson in the kind of safe pair of hands category of a, a Paul Cook or someone like that. You've got your younger coaches, your, your Lee Johnsons. I mean, Ryan Lowe at Plymouth is someone who I think's done a brilliant job both there and at Berry beforehand and is someone who uh, I think will go on to have a very, very good career in management. Obviously, there'd be compensation, et cetera, involved. But I think for me, in terms of someone who would be able to come in and hit the ground running fairly quickly in terms of not having to completely change the way things are done and working with the players. Um, But who's a little bit more forward thinking, a little bit more charismatic, maybe got those kind of qualities James mentions that Sunderland potentially needed a manager is, is someone like Danny Cowley. Um, Arguably still a little bit unproven in league one because he only spent a little bit of time there with Lincoln before he got the Huddersfield job. And obviously things didn't particularly go to plan for him there, but, he would be someone I'd look at, you know, someone like Gus Poyer would naturally have appeal because he's not, you know, you look at someone like a, and I'm not saying this is a name that will even come into the equation, but is a name that inevitably will be mentioned in some quarters is someone like a Sam Allardyce who, let's be honest, isn't going to drop to League One and quite frankly, probably has no knowledge of League One. Gus Poyer, although he's had an excellent career in management, managed at the highest level, has also managed in League One, albeit a long time ago, but he's had success in that division. So, you know, there's natural merits to that. Um, Nigel Pearson is an interesting one. Would he be that different from Phil Parkinson? I'm not convinced. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'd like to see someone of the, the mould, maybe of a, a, a Danny Cowley or a Ryan Lowe or, or someone like that coming.
0: James, any, any names for you? Um, jump out or stand out? the early runners and riders, and and I suppose it's worth bearing in mind that inevitably the early runners and riders generally don't tend to get the jobs, but you never know.
2: I think Nigel Pearson has to get the job just on the off chance he calls uh, Mark Donnelly and ostrich, surely. (laughs) (laughs) No, but in all seriousness, um, Gus Poyer, top of the betting at the moment. Could he come in and do a job? Is it a bit of a dream? Should we be looking... Backwards to look forward, I don't know, it's it's really hard. The obvious one that a lot of fans may call for is Kevin Phillips. He might potentially come in under Nigel Pearson as a coach or assistant manager. I wouldn't want Kevin Phillips to get the job permanently as a manager. I just think he's too inexperienced at this point. I think it's a massive job, huge club. Yes, he understands the fans and he knows the club, but it's a big responsibility to take when you've just done a bit of coaching I think he's been out of coaching for a little while as well. He hasn't had a, a job anywhere. Lee Johnson's in the running. Not sure I like that name. Another one is Daniel Stendel. Um, and John O'Shea is also in the betting as well. That's an interesting one. He's just started coaching at Redden, I think. Would he come? Would he be any good? A lot of questions there unanswered. So, at the moment, it's just a bit of a lottery. Eddie Howe's in the betting as well. He's, he's fifth favourite. I'm, I'm not sure he dropped down to League One, but if you could persuade him to... To come in and build, well, build another project like Bournemouth, then that could be potentially exciting. But it's just all up in the air at the moment. Hands off, uh, Dave Chalner at Pools.
0: Um, on a more serious note, um, yeah, it's interesting. It would be really interesting to see where Sullivan go from here, because clearly, you know, Jack Ross and Phil Parkinson, you know, the fact that Sullivan remain in League One is is obviously, you know, a lot of that. Would be sort of um, they would be responsible for, but I guess ultimately it's it's the owners of the club, isn't it? And the fact that they've already been through two managers, there is a zero, well, zero is unfair, there is a lack of um, proper structure at the club at the minute in terms of key positions not filled. I think that's been widely uh, analysed on the pages of the Echo from from Phil Smith. Um, and yeah, they must take a huge proportion of the blame, mustn't they, for the fact that Sununder is still in League One three years on. Or two and a half years on. Um, all of that said, you know, it's—I suppose—some have acted relatively quickly in terms of the season, so there is still plenty of time to turn this campaign around. And you know, that a massive amount of points away from the top two. But given the current squad options, do you think do you think they have the players within the squad that could, um, you know, forge a kind of really uh, strong promotion run between now and the rest of the season? Or do you think it's too predictable? They're too slow. There's not enough goals in there.
1: I think it's that predictability that you mentioned. I think, and it's something Phil Parkinson often pointed to in terms of squad depth. And, um, you know, Sunderland do have a, a very deep squad, but it's one thing having a deep squad and it's one thing having variety within that squad. And I don't think Sunderland have that. I mean, I looked at the Fleetwood bench on Friday um, and, you know, casting aside the fact that Joey Barton wants to paint a picture of Fleetwood as a little club when they're not because they've got some excellent players in their ranks, what they did have were different options. So they started with Paddy Madden up front at the first half. It wasn't really working. They were able to bring a slightly different player in Ched Evans on at half-time, who changed the game a little bit. I'm not entirely convinced. Sunderland have got those options. Um, you know, Phil Parkinson's built his squad. That squad is his squad, pretty much. I think it's fair to say he's, he's had he had how many windows? Two, 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 windows to to you know put together that squad. That's his squad. Uh, And within it, I don't think there is a great deal of variety. I don't think there's a real plan B. And I think that was a bit of a a bugbear, really, was that there was no, you know, in games where Sunday was struggling to break teams down, which, you know, the last few weeks has been near enough every game, there was no real other option. There was no real plan B. There was no variation uh, in in what Sunday were doing. And that is going to be a challenge for a new manager because we know about the salary cap and we know that Sunderland are probably in a position where they won't be able to bring players in in January unless A, they're under 21 and exempt from the cap or B, they can move players out. So they're going to have to do what they can with this squad, a squad that is maybe perhaps quite one-dimensional and doesn't have any real different options in it. So that's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting what managers think of that squad when they're looking from the outside and what they think they can do with it and whether they can actually find a way for something to do things a little bit differently than they have been doing because they need that plan B. They've been crying out for that plan B for probably, you know, certainly the best part of this season, if not a large chunk of last season as well, particularly towards, you know, the end of the League One season as it was then in March. So yeah, you know, the the problems are a little bit deeper than just the manager. And I think that the squad... Maybe isn't where you would want it to be at this moment.
0: James, do you um, have any um, sort of confidence that this current, not especially the next manager, but the current squad has what it what it takes to win promotion this season? Obviously, January is just what five weeks away, so there is scope to uh, improve the squad. And something we haven't touched on yet, but I'll come to you now. Also, Aidan McGeady, um, he had no future son under Phil Parkinson. Uh, understand he is registered to play this year or have potential to play this year still so um, I know obviously he's kind of having the start of a mini preseason at the minute isn't he so he's obviously not going to be fully match fit for a a few weeks or something but you know there's a huge player there who could still have a role to play at Sunderland or do you think that balance of the dressing room is too important?
2: Um, It's it's a funny one because when Phil Parkinson originally bombed Ada McGeady out of the team the slumped but then it all came good and that they had a pretty decent run. And I kind of thought, right, okay, he's made that decision and he's stuck by it and it's worked. But as time's gone on and as more stuff started to come out and you've heard Ada McGeady's explanation, his side of things kind of started, as a fan anyway, to to see what he's talking about. I think the comments he made on Cy Ferry's podcast about if Kevin Ball or someone like that or Lee Catamull says what he said, which was essentially that... Sunderland should be doing better against Akrot and Stanley or Burton if they want to play at a high level because he's probably not going to play at a high level now. But there's people in that squad that can, but if they want to, then they need to deal with the pressure more, um, essentially. And I think he's spot on in those comments. And now he's explained them, I sort of understand the context in which they were framed. Um, but as with all Sunderland players, Ada McGeady is, you know, is is flawed. He's He's in League One and he's ageing. He's got that little bit of magic. But is it a case of a player being out of the team for a long time? Becomes a bit better than he is, possibly, because there's times where I've watched Aaron McGeady and I've thought, bloody hell, he's unplayable, you know, against Portsmouth in the Checker Trade Trophy final. But there's been times where I've watched him and he's been frustrating, and I've thought, you've taken an extra touch when you didn't need to. You've held on to the ball too long. You haven't passed it. You've slowed the play down. You've kept us off the front foot by keeping the ball too long. So it's really hard to say, and he is getting on towards 35. So would he be able to have much of an impact? But the allure of him is, is that we know his quality and we are in a hole. So the temptation is to bring him back.
0: Just um, just thought finally for now, you know, we'll be doing plenty of analysis and podcasts and things over the coming days. And, and to be quite frank, I'm a celebrity. He's coming up in nine minutes, and I'm sure we're all keen to watch that. Um, just finally, um, youth, um, you know, just following on from the point, McGeady point, uh, one of the issues that Phil Parkinson said was that a chance, you know, to sort of play some younger players who, you know, he always said would have got in opportunities over the course of the season. Obviously, they haven't really been given too much to date. Um, I suppose it's probably natural when a manager's under pressure to kind of go with experience, isn't it, and players you might know a bit more of and probably trust a little bit more, but do you think the scope for the younger players, the likes of Neil, Diamond, etc., cetera, and Bolton when he's fully fit, um, to have much of an impact this season, Mark? Or I mean, it's a clean slate for everyone, isn't it? But there, are I think there, needs
1: to be. there I think there needs to be an opportunity for these young players because, you know, when Sunderland went down to League One, there was a real opportunity for them to put the focus on the academy and say, OK, this is what we're going to do. We're going to give these young players an opportunity. They did that to a degree in terms of, you know, your Josh Madges, your Denver Humes, uh, obviously, George Winnie and Lyndon Gooch being around the first team, but that was probably you know one of the first seasons they got a real sustained bit of football, um, and that's just completely fallen by the wayside now. What Sunland have now, hopefully, you know, with the the takeover that we've we've spoken about, with the fact they're looking for a new manager, is a chance to properly take stock, look at where they are, and think about what they want to do in the future. And hopefully, involvement of academy players, involvement of young players, is is, is a really key part of that because. A, I think it's something supporters want to see. And B, I think it is something that genuinely could benefit Sunderland. I mean, you know, that, that game on Friday night, you know, you're drawing 1-1 one, one away. You've got five substitutions to make. And Elliot Embleton's not getting off the bench. It, it just looks a little bit strange, isn't it? It's a bit of a, you know, and I know, it, you know, Phil Parton's would of the Valley's reasons for that, but you, everyone wants to see young players involved. They could really really be assets to, to Sunderland. You know, there's questions to be asked about whether the likes of, Uh, Dan Neal and and Jack Diamond are are there yet because we've only seen kind of fleeting glimpses of them but people like Elliot Embleton I'm sure is ready for League One football I'm sure he would maybe not walk into but he would be able to get into a large number of squads in this league he's a different thing a different option for Sunderland and you just want to see those players given a chance so hopefully now this is an opportunity for Sunderland to look at this and think okay this is a chance for us to really redefine what we're doing Give youth a chance and appoint a manager who who will be willing to give people like Elliot Embleton's, Dan Neals, Jack Diamonds, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, an opportunity. Providing, of course, they, they you know continue to push and deserve it. But you know, you hope they are doing that behind the scenes, and hopefully, a new manager will will give them every opportunity to really make their mark for Sunderland.
0: Good stuff. Uh, just finally, uh, James, the big question: Who do you think is going to win? I'm a celeb.
2: I haven't been watching it that closely, but I hear that Jordan's quite good. The radio one, DJ. Is he still in it?
0: Yeah. Burnley fan, he is.
2: Maybe they can get um, an emergency loan for Parkinson to come in in January to the, uh, to the I'm a Celeb. Or will it be done by then?
0: I think it'll be... Uh, come on, don't be calling. He'll be done by then. You know it'll be done by then. <laughs> You're too cool for I'm a Celeb. <laughs> good stuff. Thank you very much. Um, thanks both. Um, please continue to read the Sunland Echo website for the latest news following Phil Pattinson's sacking and all the latest analysis and developments um, as we move through the week. Um, takeover as well, plus obviously managerial as well. Huge week coming up, so plenty to look forward to, plus uh, the visit of Burton on Tuesday night. Um, and also please consider a subscription to the Sunland Echo. Um, our team work very hard to produce the best Sunland coverage 24-7, it feels like at the minute. Um, so if you, um, yeah, if you would consider taking our sports subscription package that would be greatly appreciated by all of the team and um yeah we'll be back during the week with a couple of special raw podcasts thanks for listening and uh, we'll see you next time